podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, apologies for the sea noises, but this is the analyst with a difference because I'm in Greece, so this is, I suppose you could call the analyst inside Crete. Anyway, I'll, I'll fade out the sea noises because it might make you feel like you need a holiday. So, as I say, this week we're going to have a little different show because we're not going to look back on the dramatic victory of, of Scotland over England. Although, actually, I suppose one thing to say about that is that it really is a travesty after that result that Scotland and Ireland are not involved in the 2019 World Cup, the tournament that only has 10 teams, the, the only sport that seems to be shrinking just as the Football World Cup is about to start. Anyway, we're not going to reflect on that. Instead, I thought it'd be interesting to talk to a, a selector, a director of cricket, and how he goes about his business, how he uses data and statistics to select players and recruit players as well, the growing influence of data and statistics. And I talked to my former Middlesex colleague, now director of cricket at Middlesex, Angus Fraser, all about it. So, Gus, just tell us how you as a director of cricket first, use the data, the stats that have come into the game? Um, use it in a number of ways. So, I suppose the, the, the most important thing is to sort of find out what the opposition are doing, what's happening at grounds, what past scores are, what bowlers are effective. Um, and then for your own side, sort of how your own players are getting out and areas that they're struggling to score and, and things like that so I mean the amount of information that is now collected on a daily basis um, by a county cricket club uh, is huge I mean starting from the moment the players enter the dressing room like there's a a well-being test so how do you feel out of five how did you sleep last night um, squat jump test to see how high they go to see whether they're fatigued this is before a match? Yeah, yeah, on a daily basis. And we'd sort of have a weekly then assessment of a player. So before a match starts on a Friday, on a Thursday, our strength and conditioning coach would send us a sheet and players would be sort of green, amber and red, depending on where they are physically and emotionally and, and how they're feeling. Uh, and obviously, if they're all green, then great. And if there are some amber areas you might look at and if it's red then you, you sort of discuss whether is it do they need a rest or something like that so it will actually influence selection if they uh, their well being is, is not as as you'd hope it could potentially yeah and I suppose I mean I think we've got to a stage where we've been collecting data for years and it's now what do you do with it um, so you get all these figures we know how many miles a player covers on a day's play so how far like a fast bowler will cover somewhere between 20 and 25 kilometres in a day. Uh, you know how many, how far a wicketkeeper sort of travels. And it's and this is with using the little GPS yeah, that's in, their, right. in so, shirts. Absolutely. So we're sort of gathering. It's now what you do with it and how, uh, certainly for your own side, is then trying to sort of preempt injuries. Um, is there a, a sort of a trend here? Is there something that a player goes down and and sort of, yeah, well, we've been there before and he's had this and he's had that and and he's more sort of more likely to get injured over the coming weeks. But we all know that, I mean, do you drop a player because he might get injured when he might not get injured? Uh, do you get pick a player, drop a player because he's feeling a bit tired when that might be his week where the game turns his way and 
he walks off with a five for all or, or 130 type of thing. So it's one thing getting the information, seeing what it produces, and then obviously making the right, the right decisions on top of it. it and I think it's there to support what you do. It's not there to sort of direct you. I mean, say in some areas, it may well direct you. So if you're looking at um, the, the sort of information that's collected from an analyst, so every ball in a county season is coded. Uh, each club has an analyst. He he will document the length, the line, the swing, the shot, where the ball ends up. Um, and from that, you'll, you'll gather information as to where batsmen collect their runs, ways they get out, ways they get out before they've scored 10. And um, you can, you can that will sort of direct you to some extent in, in, in maybe the tactics that you use or where you put your fielders, uh, certainly in limited over games of cricket. Um, but is it going to make you affect selection? It still it comes down to a judgment of that sort of um, data that you collect as well. So what you're saying is it, you use the stats, but you still use your eyes as well. And you feel, yeah, and where a player's at, and I suppose conversations with someone. I mean, I say the data might be there, but and the one thing you don't realise that he's he's just split up with his wife or something, or someone someone in the family is not very well, and you're only going to do that by communicating. That's not going to be in the data, uh, is it? Just all the figures that you collect. So, I mean, you still need to communicate with with the players, which sounds obvious, but. Um, it's maybe something that's slightly overlooked at times because um, communication is, is, is a hugely important thing. And there is obviously a lot of footage available now, isn't there? And your son, Alex, is, yeah, Alex. is the team analyst for Middlesex. So he logs every ball, watches every ball, films every ball. You know, So I guess he would chop up um, edited highlights of batsmen's innings and bowlers' yeah, I mean, spells. The, 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 the sort of... So when I first came here... Um, to middle spec to middle six. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I think that the analysts had come in. One, I mean, it was part of the. I mean, it's to provide the selectors with information. So that myself as a selector now, sat here in my office, uh, I go to a website. I can look at every ball that was bowled, uh, has been bowled so far this season, because uh, every game will be sort of downloaded to this place, and I can go in there and I can watch how. Um, Nick Govins batted yesterday at, um, at Cardiff, even though it was on TV. But um, and the, the whole sort of anal- analysis thing has grown. It was it was just sort of coding for the selectors to go in. I think a bit of it was to sort of, to some extent, justify sort of cold pack decisions and things like that because you're looking, you're rewarding people for for playing England players and the, and, and etc. But um, but it, it, it's constantly growing and it's getting better. Like it was one camera one end, now it's one camera either end. And a, a lot of the information you collect is is only as good as the person that puts it in to some extent. So it's it's their assessment of that ball. Was it a good length ball or was it a shorter length ball? Um, did it go to backward point or did it go to third man? So it, a lot of the information is as good as the person that puts in it. And it's not... Obviously, you get televised games where the television coverage is far more thorough. You've got more cameras. You've got Hawkeye. You've got Hawkeye well. and things like that. And, and you have yeah. some tournaments which are completely televised, like the IPL and the, and the Big Bash Say two for example, uh, where you there is an ever well, there's even more sort of well, there's as much data as you want on on those games, and therefore you can sort of work out where a slower ball gets hit mm. um, to what part of the field off a certain bowler by. I mean, you can you can break down in in, in most of the data that we get in the counties. 
Um, it, it comes down, was it a slow ball? Yes, the analyst might have got it right. Sometimes he might not have got it right. might have just come out differently or it was an odd-looking ball and stuff like that. But um, Would you have liked to have had that level of detail as a player? Um, to some extent, yes, and to some extent, no. I mean, I suppose, again, it's we, we're talking... And sort of in a test match, you want people that go out there and think for themselves, independent, working situations out, reacting to situations on, on how they feel they're going. If if you've almost, you get into a state of mind where you've actually come off the field for tea, uh, or even, in, in a, that's in a, in a Red Bull game, but in a one-day match, there's no chance to get off the field, is there? You get off the field and you find out everything you've got, well, the data didn't say that. Well, actually, that doesn't mean you still keep bowling short to someone who's whacking you over a deep square leg. Um, you've, you've got to sort of think on your feet a bit. So the fact that you you sort of led that exhaust distance, I'm quite happy with. Uh, and again, it's... Well, looking does, back it, it's... does it always tell the whole story? I, was, I always remember there was a stage in my career where my, my England place was sort of um, being questioned. And it was about the time where the logging or the coding of balls... Uh, began to come in and I just remember once and it was done manually so players would sort of just do a dot but there wasn't computer systems or anything like that so it was a pretty basic sort of analysis um, but there were three games one I got 8 for 53 in Trinidad uh, one I got one for 120 or something against South Africa at Old Trafford when Gary Skirsten got a double hundred and the other was a, a three for 70 at Edgbaston um, against South Africa in the same series so over a period of time um, and because I'd not been getting a huge amount of wickets, it was sort of... So I, I got the data and took the sort of game off it and said, right, to your bowling coach, who's sort of saying, well, you're not doing this and you were doing that before and you're not doing this. I said, well, there's three games here. You tell me which one I bowl well, best in. And they looked at where the ball had pitched. I mean, there wasn't speeds on ball and stuff like that. They looked where the, I'd pitched the ball. Um, and they said, well, that one. And it was the one for 120. My eight for 53 was the third best I bowled. And that was quite right because it was just my day. So sometimes it's one thing knowing what you should be trying to do and, and noticing that a batsman's got a weakness somewhere. It's another thing then being able to put that into action. You've got to have skill to be able to bowl two yards fuller and mm. the same with the same intensity as you do to your natural length. And and a lot of bowlers find it hard to sort of to sort of adapt that length. I had a natural length, and people said sometimes it was a yard too short. I tried to go a bit fuller and. It just didn't feel the same and didn't feel right, and I'm sure it was the same when you were bowling. Sort of maybe you're bowling too full, you need to drag it back. But and it, it's easier said than done on occasions, and it's hard to explain to people um, that that it's that it. They say, well, it's got to be obvious. It's got to be simple. You can just drag your length. You're not robots. No, it's, it's a real fingertip. I mean, Philip Tuffin used to go about his fingertip control, wasn't it? And letting go of a cricket ball is a real fingertip experience as a bowler. You know mm. when the ball is probably five <coughs> inches out of your hand that it's a good ball. You also know it's a rubbish ball, mm. and that's just a, a rhythm and a sense. And it's so it's one thing knowing it; it's then putting it into practice. And the skill is being able to put it into practice. And it's why someone like Jimmy Anderson is, is the bowler of the years because he seems to be able to sort of, um, whether that's data driven or whether that's just him, but he seems to be able to adjust accordingly for, for different. Sort of impart the the data yeah. into his actual yeah performance yeah um, and how much of the of this data and stats uh, in enhanced your england selection say you were doing an england selection meeting would there be a lot of data sheets 
videos knocking around? Yeah, I mean, a lot of selection meetings we sit there with an analyst would be in there and he would be able to call up spells of bowling, uh, innings that a player had produced. If we said, well, let's have a look at him. I mean, and again, that's why the, the sort of information from the analyst in county cricket, so you might sort of be looking at um, a Dominic Bess and sort of saying, well, how well was he bowled? And then you could say, well, well, let's go to Somerset game, a spell of bowling, and within five minutes you can probably watch... 15 overs, just go boom, boom, boom and see it and see how he's bowled and get a bit of a feel for And it was more a question of watching the video than looking at pitch maps and you know, looking yes, at stats no, I, and things I mean, the, the, the obviously stats and you're trying to sort of well, who's doing what where and and oh, well, even as a journalist you sort of have you'd have ideas and you'd sort of You'd almost be willing the statistics to prove up your to sort of support your theory, and when they do, it's great. And sometimes, sometimes they don't, do they? Because sometimes a player, you think, well, actually, he's only done well there, and he's not done well there. Oh, he's done a bit better there than I thought. So there's a, and I, I think it, again, I mean, obviously, a new selector in Ed Smith, and I say some of the conversations we have had, and and it, it supports what you're doing, and I suppose it's like a. Like players peak, don't they? And I suppose it's judging when they have peaked. And and some players peak, fall away, and then come back. And I always remember sort of people like Ambrose and Walsh. They've been written off a number of occasions, and they constantly seem to come back to prove people wrong. Um, but there will be a time when a player doesn't sort of there isn't that sort of there isn't a bounce back. Um, and it's can you see that earlier than you've seen it by? By looking at the data and things like that, so I think um, there are there are a lot of I mean even just sort of websites that you go to and and you can sort of trace a player's career and sort of notice the the trend of his average or you can see it on on graphs and things like that. So it's there, and I suppose a lot of it it's it's to support your thoughts and your your ideas and you didn't need, you don't need, I mean results abroad have not been great. It, then I saw a stat this morning and all of a sudden home and away and well it's no surprise that the, the figures are worse away because England have been worse away um, but I suppose it's breaking down that into into smaller smaller sections that um, that happen and I, I suppose it's it's more a f- more usable to some extent in, in, in white ball cricket isn't it I mean I think because that's a more controllable thing, and also it's more data-driven in a way. Yeah. You know, the, the, there is an art to test cricket, isn't there? A four-day yeah. game. Science applies more to one-day cricket, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose when we, were, when we were playing, there was always, is it third slip or third man? Was third... Everybody says, oh, I have three slips, and yeah. it's an attacking option. But if you only get two catches a year at third slip and you're conceding 140 runs down to third man... Yeah. Then, You're speaking like an old yeah, that, leg but, bowler but, now. But now, now we can work that out. Now that is worked out. And what's the answer? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I suppose it varies from bowler to bowler, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, uh, but you sort of. So, but there is. But sort of. I mean, it's like Clive Rice, wasn't it? Not him. She always used to, first position was a third man, wasn't it? Because. Um, you, I mean, one of the great things, I suppose, in cricket is the fact that you all seem to want another fielder. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, bowlers want about ten yeah. more fielders. I'm going to say if it was, you had twelve aside, you'd still want another fielder, <laughs> wouldn't you? But is is um, selection a bit of a thankless task, really? I mean, you've done it for obviously Middlesex and England. Uh, well, it is, and I suppose it's in some ways it's 
it's nice that people take interest in what you're doing and the fact that they have an opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, you never get it right, do you? I mean, in people's eyes, you never get it right. And it's, I never tell anybody how to do their job, um, but they, everybody tells me how to do my job. Uh, I mean, as I said to, I've said to people in the past, I watch Casualty on a Saturday night, but I don't walk around thinking I'm a doctor, mate. And but everybody has a view on what you're doing, and you should have picked him, and why have you done this, and why have you done that? Even sort of walking around laws today, it's. But it's a real honour to do it, and it's a real privilege, and I say to do for real what people do now, which is sitting in the stands, watching, picking their side on a Friday night at the pub. Well, he should be playing. I'll do this and I'll do that. To actually sort of uh, to do that is a is a, a real honour. And to sit down as I've really enjoyed the selection. Sit down in meetings that we have, talking a way forward, planning a way forward, um, and giving young cricketers opportunities. And it, it, you don't always get immediate results. Um, you, you, some, you have a feel for someone; it takes a bit of time for that that to come out. But uh, um, to sort of, all right, you're a dream maker and a dream breaker as a as a select. You, I mean, Dominic Best is a Cracking young man, very talented young cricketer. His dreams come true. I mean, but we pick him with leaving someone else out, and and you're breaking a dream. But to be given, to be sort of trusted with the responsibility of giving young people the opportunity to do the things they do is is a is an honour, um, and it's a treat as well because it's it's very satisfying to not just personally to sort of think you made the right decision, but it's very satisfying to see. Uh, the smiles on the sort of people grow, young people grow and and sort of suddenly five, seven years down the line, even at Middlesex, whether it's with Middlesex or with uh, with England, to have had to be in the middle or to be producing what is what is really good careers. Okay, well I hope you found those thoughts and reflections by Angus Fraser interesting. Next week, we'll go back to normal and we'll review England's first two one-day internationals against Australia that are being played during this week. The match at the Keir Oval and the match at Cardiff. Obviously, England's slightly smarting after that defeat by Scotland, but I'm sure they'll come back strong against the Australians. We've built up well with some victories against the various county sides. Don't forget, by the way, this podcast is supported by The Cricketer magazine. And if you go to www.thecricketer.com forward slash podcast, you can get 20% off your subscription to The Cricketer magazine, a new issue out in a week's time, packed full of really interesting bumper features. So don't miss it and speak to you this time next week. All the best. Podcast Network.